What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Browner and Lawhead, your favorite Christmas show. You hear that, y'all? We all okay. we are now your favorite Christmas program. Don't you forget that. I'm John Browner. That's Jason Lawhead. You will hear his voice at some point in time if you're not already seeing his face via YouTube or already you will soon, like I said, hear his voice via Apple Podcasts and live on the Mightier 1090 ESPN. We are part of the Great Friends Podcast Network and also pretty much the uh, hottest thing going in the mega market. We're the best mm-hmm. rookies. We're the best rookies in the league right now. Uh Nice again. Jason has sworn to be Jason Claus and wear a hat every day of the show until Christmas. I can't wait to see what he wears on New Year's Eve. Uh, what's up, brother? My birthday suit. No. Whoa, um. Whoa. Yeah. No. 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 Good man. Good. I, yeah. I'm in that Christmas spirit. Like I said, I'm gonna wear it all month. And uh, yeah, man. I'm jolly. I'm jolly. But uh, took in my favorite Christmas movie last night. Me and Ooh. me and the wife sat down. I, I start watching. We start. Uh, watching christmas movies like on nice we can get together and then hang out and have a little nice night so uh my favorite one of all time I, I watched it last night uh first before i get to mine what's your favorite christmas movie of all time you know that's a that's such a good question and it's not one that many people respect okay well, not not respect for expect uh I'm 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 on a weird category of Christmas movies because okay. I wasn't necessarily raised as a person who your family sat down and watched the uh, you know the Charlie Brown Christmas special like I didn't grow up like that. Okay, uh, I'm very big. My my mother who were, who raised me was very big on seeing black people do things, uh, and so my favorite Christmas movie is Trading Places. Oh, I love that! I love that you said that. Because a lot of people don't really, when they think of Trading Places or Eddie Murphy, they don't they don't really go to the Christmas movie that that you know. But that is a Christmas yes. movie. It's all based around just that week of Christmas and New mm-hmm. Year's. That's it. That's the whole box it sits in, and um, that movie is ahead of its time. First off, oh my god, oh. it's so ahead of its time comedically and just socially and all of the things that uh it provided you know uh race and economic class and all that type of thing and uh you know what we see still today as you know um more billionaires than there ever have been more homeless than there ever have been and that was basically the crux of that movie 40 years ago now that movie came Mm. out in 83 so just in a few weeks that movie's going to be 40 years old and that was, I, I love, dude, I love that you said that. Now I'm, I'm actually disappointed that I didn't say that, but that's one we will watch because I've always included that as a Christmas movie. Um, is that your favorite Eddie Murphy movie? What's your favorite Eddie Murphy movie? Just to get off the subject for a second. Now, you, uh, you know, that's a tough one for me. For me, it's Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, that's hard. Yeah, that's a that's a phenomenal that original that first one and even part two, which sequels are tough. That part two is a great one as well. I, I love Trading Places. Love Trading. Uh, Places. I love uh, Coming to America. The original. I love, I love Coming to America. The second one was one of those things where you just got yeah. to make it because it's been too long. No disrespect. Mm-hmm. Amazon gave him a lot of money. Sure, I would have taken that money too of to course. do that movie. Um, uh, the Nutty Professor. Okay, great film. Norbert, great film, mm-hmm. highly underrated. Harlem uh, Nights, 
Harlem Nights. I love Harlem Nights. Eddie Murphy has got such a great list of of movies. He Eddie Murphy was probably the first superstar that I saw on TV in the movie theater and was like that you could relate to as that, a big movie star. That guy that guy sounds like me. That guy yeah. talks and acts and moves. So I I but I would say my favorite Eddie Murphy movie as much as I want to say it's Harlem Nights, but there were so many other yeah, people right. in Harlem Nights that made that Richard the cast Pryor, of that movie. Red Fox. What, so that didn't feel like an Eddie Murphy movie to me. Right. It felt like an okay. ensemble cast, like an Ocean's Eleven type thing. Interesting. So I would 100% give the nod to uh, to Beverly Hills Cop 1. because Okay. That's a great call. Hilarious, man. Uh, the, he, between the phenomenal. police chief, between that, because that to me, that was peak Eddie Murphy. That yep. was Eddie Murphy literally being a superstar and carrying that movie like he, he really carried did. that movie from the original scene where he's flying around in the back of the, the cigarette truck to to the last scene when he's shot in the arm and he's making fun of uh, of the captain like yeah. it, it was great man you're not gonna fool me with the banana in the tailpipe just like classic classic eddie murphy man so that's the one for me yeah and that was a precursor to some movies like they made movies like that because of that you know yes. lethal, lethal weapon kind of came out some years after and lethal weapon was really the blueprint was beverly hills cop yes and you know um maybe some of the songs are dated now but man what a soundtrack at the time too I mean, right musically the soundtrack the music the vibe when and- he gets thrown out of the window <laughs> Yeah. Just oh my god! Yeah, we got arrested before. I got thrown out of the window. Yeah, such a great movie, man. Great and, uh, movie. I love that you love Trading Places because it's one of my favorite yes. movies of all time. Yes. Whether you category it as Christmas or whatever, it's just Randolph such a great... Mortimer. Oh, Jamie Lee. Randolph. And then they come back in in Coming to America. Remember, yes. he he they break them. They make them go to the poorhouse. And then when he's trying to hide that he's rich from the girl he's trying to date, they're underneath a bridge. Mortimer, we're he, back. <laughs> we're back. Oh, that was such a great callback uh those five or six years later when when uh america coming to america came out the um, also also i think the the one thing that uh trading places has in it that old movies used to have in it but they don't anymore just literally would put a prostitute in the movie just to have a woman <laughs> exactly. topless right and you like, have empathy for her right like, and that's, you, I mean, and that's you, like jamie lee curtis is not just some topless lady who they just found with great boobs Let's go get Jamie Lee Curtis to just be topless in trading places of all movies. Yeah, and she was, you know, her fame was Halloween, right? The scary movie at the time. She was young, and then they put her in that comedy, and and thank God they did, because I was, uh, what, I was about 10 years old when that came out, (laughs) and those were some of the first set I ever saw, and I was like, wow. (laughs) If you still go back and research some of these, like, movie nerds and stuff, do you know that like there's certain um they, they have like statistics like of the most paused movies in the history of movies? No way. And it's she's that scene, yeah, they have scenes like where it's, you know, um the, the fast times at Ridgemont High when the girl's getting out of the pool and he's dreaming about her and she takes off her blouse. I forget that uh, she's a really pretty young girl and she takes off her bikini top. He's just imagining it. That's one and and that scene as well, which is funny, but uh I got to say, pound for pound, my favorite movie, and there's so many great ones, um, but we watched it last night. It's always the first Christmas movie I watch to kick off the Christmas movie season is Bad Santa with um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Really? Bad Mall Santa. Well, I love it because you got Bernie Mac in there. Uh-huh. God rest his soul. One of the funniest guys probably, in my opinion, ever. 
Bernie Mac. I mean, Bernie Mac, it's a shame he, he we lost him too young. What a talent. That scene with John Ritter, who also passed away too early, mm-hmm. uh, the old Jack Tripper, uh, that scene with John Ritter as kind of like the mall manager and Bernie Mac as mall security. And they're talking about, um, you know, Billy Bob, who they hired. And then they've got the little midget guy, uh, yeah. that, the crooks together. The black and guys. Just, oh, yeah. I forget the guy's name. You know, he's been in a lot of stuff, though. And uh, just a phenomenal just tale at the end. And that young kid that trades scenes with Billy Bob, that polite, young, just bright eyed, innocent kid um, that he goes and breaks into the house and stays with. And the way that kid holds his own throughout that movie in these very graphic, almost adult scenes, scene, yeah. very adult graphic scenes. But I think it's just, to me, one of the funniest concepts of a movie, the mall Santa, who's also a crook and he's a drunk and a drug addict and he's just a schlep. And he can't right. keep it together. And finally, he becomes kind of the hero at the end of the movie. Um, I love that one. And you know what? That's what I'm telling the wife. The next one we're watching is usually she gets to pick her favorites, Home Alone, which I love because I love Joe Pesci. I was just about to talk about Home Alone. Yeah, I love Joe Pesci and because Joe Pesci can do anything. He can be the nastiest mobster in the world in Goodfellas. And he could be the funniest dude ever in, like, you know, uh, Lethal Weapon, like, as we said, as that funny dude right. and, or or in uh, the villain in in Home Alone, or or my cousin Vinny, but well, we're I'm gonna step in. I'm gonna step in because Man. of today's show, and I'm gonna go, babe. Home Alone goes third because we're watching Trading Places number two this weekend, or whenever we get the next chance to sit down and make a little popcorn and watch a movie. So. I love that, man. I love that. And Home Alone is always in the is always in the fold. Um, I think there uh, there's a lot of as I and as I grew older, because obviously I grew up watching Trading Places. But as I grew older and I started to, you know, widen my dating pool mm-hmm. for Christmases, it's a very good movie. That's not bad, is it? Vince Vaughn. That's uh, not bad. Jennifer uh, Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. And, and uh, all the. Uh, well, the, the, uh, what's this woman's Genofrio name? Genofrio is in that. Um, the, the the really nice uh, Reese Weatherspoon. Reese Weatherspoon. Reese That's Weatherspoon what I meant. That's what I meant. Not Jennifer Aniston. Reese Weatherspoon, right? She's in that. Very good. Very good movie. It's got some. That is. I think Bill Burr is in Four Christmases as well. Is he? Does he have I, a I, I'm pretty sure Bill Burr. I mean, look, I'm pretty sure Bill Burr is in Four oh. Christmases. Um, that's an because, underrated one. Most overrated one ever. Elf. Me, not funny. Really? I don't care. I'll. Uh, it's the most overrated. It's an obnoxious, noisy. It's not funny. It's it's hacky. I don't like it. Bob Newhart's funny. It's. I think it's one of Will Ferrell's worst movies ever. Tell you, uh, even Will Ferrell knows it's bad because years after that, they uh, they they offered Will Ferrell. 29 million to do a sequel with back end benefits that could have paid him upwards of 50. And he said, no, because you know why it, the first one wasn't even that good. And sequels are already, already hard enough to make. And I just think, and I John think a lot Farber's of in it. John Farber's the guy who I thought. Oh was. yeah. Favreau's great in that. Yeah. He's, he's in all those Vince Vaughn movies. Mm-hmm. I think he, Favreau actually directed elf. Um, I believe. And he, he may have directed four Christmases because uh, he directs a lot of those movies, but, Seth I just Gordon think Elf- directed Four Christmases. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I just think Elf is, and I've taken flack, I think it's the most overrated Christmas movie, especially comedy-wise, I've ever seen. I, I, just- I haven't had the pleasure of watching Elf all the way through because it just loses me. I don't get it. It's just, it's a People love it, though. People swear by it. 
They think People I think because of love Will Ferrell so much, and I love Will Ferrell. Almost everything he's done. I, usually, my bias would sit there and go, "No, Will Ferrell's too good. You can't say anything bad about that movie." But let's be honest, it's not that great of a movie. It's it's boring, like you said. It's kind of hacky, and it's just yeah. obnoxious. It's an you obnoxious know, film. I, I I'm so glad we use that set of words to describe Elf mm -hmm. because the next thing I want to talk about mm -hmm. sports literally defines what missing the mark looks like. So we have all been forced to live in this age where everyone gets a statue, right? Every team has to build a statue of a player that did something good for that organization. And that's cool. But sometimes these statues don't look like the player. Sometimes these, <laughs> these statues, because the, the most famous one is Christian Ronaldo. That, I don't even know who that is as far as like the statue looking similar to him. Michael Jordan's statue outside of the, the United Center, which used to be the Madhouse on Madison, but is the greatest statue ever put for any athlete anywhere. It's appropriate. It's fitting. It looks like him. It's set outside in Chicago for uh, almost two decades to now they brought it inside because I think somebody tried to steal it once which I don't know how you could have resold that thing, but whatever, you know, crackheads have crazy ideas in the middle of the night. But to me, non-biased, that's the best statue going. Why the NBA would insult Michael Jordan with this thing? I don't understand. Oh, that's terrible. If you're listening in your car, I am showing an image, or you're listening via podcast, like, share, and subscribe. I'm showing an image of what is now known as the NBA MVP award, which will be known from here on out as the Michael Jordan award. This thing is atrocious. It is utterly ugly. It doesn't do anything. Jordan, Michael Jordan has more iconic images. Like literally the last, it's called the last shot. There are so many different poses Michael Jordan has made and would have given the NBA to use. That that's that's terrible. It's nondescript. It's too it's too a, an attempt to be mystique. Like this is Michael Jordan. Okay, put him in a Bulls jersey doing something very Jordan esque, and everybody loves it. You sometimes you can try too hard. This is a try too hard situation. I hate this. Is it a try too hard, or is it just? throw it just not try too hard is it just it just knock something off as basic as we can i mean it doesn't reveal anything about michael jordan that that's that nothing there's so, nothing like you said their there's argument their argument is that uh the way that the trophy is made there are certain it lends to parts of michael jordan's career like there is the, uh, I guess there's six sides on the bottom to show how many championships he's won. There's there's a triangle somewhere to show how uh, a, a hexagon or whatever it is to show how many sides, how many times he's won the MVP. Like it's it's buried within the trophy, but it's dumb. It's literally dumb, and it and it doesn't do anything for anyone. I don't like it. No, it does. It, it You know what it kind of looks like? It, it looks just kind of like a knockoff of an Oscar. Like it looks like the Oscar for best film for basketball. 
It doesn't even look like it has it captures no essence of Michael Jordan. I don't care whatever little cryptic little codes you can put like, oh, there's a there's a sextagon or whatever it is down at the bottom where he's terrible. There. It's but he's just reaching up. I mean, it it looks more. I mean, uh, it looks like an award that would be famous for or for someone that would be famous for a, a, a legendary tip in at the buzzer. He never tipped anything in it. Never. He's not like over tipping anything. Like you said, that that image of that last shot where he's, you know, hand side of the ball, tongue out, squared up, or the one that obviously in Chicago, as you forementioned, where the legs are sticking out and he's taking right. off from the foul line with the ball out and his legs spread. And we know that that is the dunk from the foul line post. You could have literally used – the image of him jumping and celebrating, which I thought would have been the most bomb. That's another one, that one. You could have used that image in the statue of Michael Jordan as the MVP award. It a just fist pump. The, yeah, the, the, the thing he did like that at the end of his career. Okay, there's so many different things you, you know could have done. You know what would have actually been cooler? What actually would have been cooler, it would have been like a smaller lower to the base of him hugging the Larry O'Brien trophy with the cigar in his mouth. There could have, have been better. Anything. Almost anything. Because obviously it could have done worse. I mean, this is terrible. But it could have done worse. Anything could be better than this. There's just a always- big tongue would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just, just a big tongue, gold uh, tongue on a base would have been better. Than just that. put the Jordan 11 on a, on a podium and just give it to somebody. Anything would have been better than this. I, there, there, are other, um, there are other MVPs style level i don't know they haven't unleashed an uh image of this i hope they scrap this one and people get as mad as i am about this um i don't like the way that they went about this in the other direction as well the hakeem olajuwon trophy is the defensive player of the year i love hakeem olajuwon he's one of the greatest players in nba history i don't remember him as being a defensive standout okay come on he was great he's not the greatest defender of all time well, I don't – I mean, when you talk about the low post, I mean, he's probably the greatest, you know, in an era that he played in the era of Hall of Fame centers almost in every city, right? I mean, he did. And who – Everything the- you want to give a Bill Russell or whoever, like, he played – Olajuwon played from Jabbar, Ewing, Robinson. I mean, this guy Shaquille was – Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal coming up as the young guy. So, he played in a crossover – uh, Robert Parrish true. in his primes. You know, he played in a crossover of more Hall of Fame centers, the true center of the game. And, you know, Shaquille was the last true great center. And then that the game changed. And he was right towards the end of that era. And then the beginning when he started, you know, Jabbar was still dominant. You had guys like, you know, Artis Gilmore still playing at a high level. Parrish at a high level. Ewing was in his prime, young, same age kind of a thing. Beat him in yeah. the finals. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, David Robinson, you know, so so many great, great centers. So, Olajuwon, I like the fact that the award's named after him. I really do. I don't okay. understand. I don't understand this clutch award. What what the hell is this? The 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 Rookie of the Year award will now be known as the Wilt Chamberlain Award. I don't understand that. I think because his rookie numbers are just staggered. I think he averaged almost you know 40 a game in his rookie year. The John Havlicek Sixth Man of the Year. Okay, you can. I'm cool with that. I'm not gonna really yeah. think over that. The George Mikan Trophy for Most Improved Player. I, get out of here with that. Get out of <laughs> here with that. Move, move out of my way. I listen. 
NBA people love the old yesteryear guys. And I don't disrespect George Mikan. At the time George Mikan played, George Mikan was great. But on the 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 scale of people who should have awards named after them, the most improved player should have been someone else. Like, how could you give out these awards and not have Kareem be attached to one of them? I don't understand. Yeah. That. I don't Kareem is the second greatest player in NBA history to me. The fact that you now laid out these awards, and by the way, Kareem is still alive for him mm-hmm. to give one of these joints out. George Mikan, uh, Kareem never improved or anything because he was always the best. Right. But find a way to get Kareem involved in this. The George people giving George Mike and stuff miss me. George Mike and played at a time where black guys were not allowed to play. Pretty I, much. I'm not giving an award to anybody naming anything after anybody that played when black people could not play. That's my rule. I'm the judge, jury, and executioner of said rule. And we've got listen, we might get more into this mm-hmm. when we come back. Brown and Lawhead complaining about more in the mighty 1890 ESPN. <laughs> Back again, back again, my friends, after screaming about the, the George Mikan Award. I've calmed down about the George Mikan Award. I've calmed down here in the Mightier 1090 ESPN. John Browner, Jason Lawhead for Browner and the Lawhead. Jason has gotten everybody in the Christmas spirit. Surprised he doesn't have, like, little confetti falling in his room as part of the snow coming down in Southern You're California. You're giving me ideas. You're but giving me ideas. But it's early. <laughs> it's only the, it's, it's early. We, got week, we still got weeks. We you got never time. Know. There could be a snow machine in here by next Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so we we talked about uh, uh, our favorite Christmas movie, which turned out to be a really good segment. Everybody should check that one out. Uh, we also broke down the ugliest award ever created, being the Michael Jordan MVP, MVP award that the NBA unveiled today. And I hope they take it back and, and relaunch this at another time. Uh, but you can hear all of that over on YouTube and at the iTunes podcast store. If you're listening live here on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN, you just head over to iTunes or you head over to YouTube and you look up Cap and the crew and we are uh, Browner and Lawhead, which is located within that. Um, we've got some really sad news for football yeah, fans. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray is out for the year, obviously, and probably longer than that with a torn ACL, which was suffered last night in a non-contact injury. Uh, at the during the Cardinals um, uh, Patriots game, which you know wasn't that great to watch, but I as sad as this is, with a, in a, in a four win team with a guy who was in the MVP conversation last year, and this team was in the playoffs last year, for this for them to have paid him, and for it to now have gone so miserable. What do you do with Kyler Murray, knowing now that he's going to probably be out for all of next year as well? Um, trade him to the Diamondbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's time for him to take up baseball and prolong his and prolong his sports career. It's not too late. I mean, you blow your knee out doing that. Oh. I mean, there's enough. There's a million and one ways to get hurt in this league. Every every player that signs up is one legal hit away from never playing the game again. That's yeah. just the way it is. That's just the facts. Whether they will, however, no matter how much they try to clean up the game with roughing the passer and helmet to helmet and different different little rules, you're still one legal hit away from it all being over. And then to just go and and to have that plant, it's just, it, I mean, you know, you sit there and you go, 
how can you really in the future depend on a guy that is going to blow his knee out, you know, figuring out whether he's going to slide or keep running or go out of bounds? I mean, I feel bad for the guy. I'm not making fun of him. I'm talking about you're asking me about a front of office standpoint and, you know, what you've invested in this guy. And the wheels have come off of this thing. Let, let's be honest. You know, Kingsbury. Here's the injury. Yeah. I mean, look, what? Just running. Just running. Getting past the 40. And even this defender right behind him, you can see him kind of holding up because he knows I'll probably get 15. Right. I'll probably, well, no, he's probably thinking I'll probably, if I hit this guy right here somehow, they'll probably throw a flag somehow. All you see is a big defender is he's almost here. Now he's kind of like, ooh, I don't know. He's a quarterback. I'll probably get suspended if I tackle him. And he just lets him go. And then, you know, as number nine starts to converge on him, it's just a strange, strange injury. Um, you feel bad for him. And this, you know. this, I mean, this comes on the heels of them having to take a homework contract out of his, out of his clause, out of his contract. Mm-hmm. Him becoming one of the highest paid, one of these $50 million quarterbacks now. Him not getting along with the head coach. I think Kyler Murray has value. I think what we're, we're about to learn is how much the Cardinals organization loves Cliff Kingsbury. And if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I know my tenure with Kyler Murray probably won't be long after this if I don't come back next year with a quarterback in place on a one-year deal looking to prove it while I'm also looking to prove it. There's a lot of talk about Jimmy Garoppolo going left and right here and there. A healthy Jimmy Garoppolo and a Cliff Kingsbury offense I think that that's a match made in heaven. I know I'm putting two things together that no one even has had the time to think about, but that's what we're in the business of because Kyler Murray is going to be out for a year. Because if you know anything about Kyler Murray, people will tell you he is quote unquote lazy. I hate that term when it comes to black athletes because you can't get to where they got by being lazy, but he's referred to as lazy and into other things that are not football. Hard to work with. Hard to work with. uh, uh, Somewhat of a diva. And so if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I'm going to prepare myself to be better next year with someone else, not Colt McCoy, someone else of stature on a one-year prove-it deal that gets me, whether I'm in the Kyler Murray business or not, it, it shows other teams at the NFL level, I can win without this guy. Do you think this is a, uh, do you think this is a moment that, I mean, I'm, I'll be surprised if Cliff Kingsbury comes back. You oh, oh you can't fire him, you if if you fire King if if you fire Cliff Kingsbury now, this would then have me asking the question of a organization that had had some questionable moves. This might be one of the most questionable moves. So you're going to fire a guy, bring in a new head coach when a franchise quarterback cannot play for you for a year. So it it it. But look what they've done down the stretch in the most recent years with the franchise quarterback. And look how things went with him when he was out on the field. I mean, that, that last night, I think they said it was they've lost 12 of their last 13 home games. 12 of their last, they're one in 12 in their last 13 home games. But this team. And I know also, not, I know McCoy, McCoy I, I'm just saying like, when well, you me, sit there and look at it. But this, but this team also, two things happened to this team. One, DeAndre Hopkins got busted for steroids. He missed six, eight games. Sure. He missed eight games. They traded for Hollywood Brown. He didn't miss five games. Mm-hmm. They traded for Zach Ertz. He's out for the year with an ACL injury, huge, similar to Kyler Murray. Yes. So these moves that they made 
to try to help Kyler Murray, try to help this offense. They all got hurt to start the season. So they started the season in an abysmal fashion. And when they got better, Kyler Murray got hurt. So for me, when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury, after the performance that they had last year, getting into the playoffs and a year before that, just barely missing the playoffs. I think that Cliff Kingsbury has earned the opportunity to prove to this organization, because he just got a new deal to start the year as well, that I can do this without Kyler Murray, because they've only seen him with Kyler Murray. So what, what about now with all of this happening? Is this uh, is this with the weapons that you mentioned, if they're mm-hmm. at full go next year, knowing that Murray is going to be out and maybe out at the start of the season or not 100 percent, do you sit there and go, uh, hey, Tom Brady? And we, we know you're looking for somewhere to go. Is is Tom Brady an mm-hmm. option to come to, to Arizona? Are you looking at, do you think Tom Brady looks at a guy like Cliff Kingsbury and says, you know, I've been, you know, I've been known to work with other guys and, 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 you know, if you and I can have a, a dinner date in the off season and, and think our philosophies could mesh and uh, do you think that there's a, there's a chance of possibly a Tom Brady going to Arizona to try to revive and save Cliff Kingsbury? Cause I, I agree you, what you, you made great points. And, and if anything, if you're this far invested with Arizona and you've got Murray on that, you might as well say, this is the last of your leash next year, Kingsbury. And if we, if we start out like we did next year, like you we cooked. did this year, then we're fired and we'll find an interim to end a, another abysmal season. But yeah, you make good points. You're right. I mean, Kingsbury probably will and should survive at least to, mm-hmm. to see what, you know, the cupboard bears next year with, Ertz and guys that are healthy Hopkins and, 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 Brown. Brown and, 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 and to see what the timetable on Kyler Murray is going to be. Um, but that's an interesting, you know, maybe landing spot because all of a sudden you would have never thought that. Correct. But then when you just showed that highlight and all of a sudden the rumors are, you know, Brady's not going to be in Tampa Bay next year, but he is looking for a spot where he could go possibly, uh, you know, have the type of tools around him, you know, in a place where he feels like he could go win some football games. I mean, um, I think it would be very difficult for Cliff Kingsbury to bring Tom Brady in because Tom Brady wants to run the Tom Brady offense. Right. I think part of the problem Tom Brady's having right now is that they let Tom Brady run the Tom Brady offense and it's just not guys got hurt. And so it's not the same. Right. I think. I mean, I, I think Tom Brady's gonna play next year. Sure, he is. He's gonna try to. I mean, he's not done. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break some hearts. I'm gonna tell people he's only playing in two places. I think it's either where he's at or back in New England. And I honestly believe it'll be Ooh. back in New England before it's anywhere else. Because do you think him and Belichick can go exist again? I think once you, I think once you leave a situation like he did, you win. You've proven your point. You want to go back where you're comfortable. If this is going to be my last year, because I think he also knows next year is going to be his last year. He might keep saying he wants to play, but this year hurt too bad. I think watching him play the last couple of games, because they've been on in, in the primetime spotlight, whether it be the one o'clock window or, or the 10 o'clock window, I've watched his last three games. It hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts him. He's in a lot. He's, it, this is not going the way he wanted to. Even that Saints game that they ended up winning, he was terrible for most of that game. That was terrible a good game. So I think he's looking for more comfort and familiarity. And I think that he would either get that where he's at or he would get that again with, with, with new England. 
who, as much as I like, as much as I like the quarterback they have, everybody in New England would throw that poor kid off the bus for Tom Brady. Period. Yeah, and it'd be interesting because they'll they, they're a good shot they go to the playoffs again this year, and that's two straight playoff. That would be two straight playoff appearances with a kid that's a rookie and a second year kid. Uh, and you know there isn't a lot of landing spots when you look. Uh, no, you know, I mean maybe Arizona. You know, there's been rumors about him going back to the Bay in San Francisco, but I don't think Shanahan wants to deal with that. I think Shanahan feels like I've got the defense, I've got the offensive weapons, the running right. game, the line of scrimmage to win with a Purdy and wait for what's coming next. I don't need the 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 Tom Brady offensive, you know, disruption. Right. And when you look at other divisions, you sit there and go, well, you're not going to care. The AFC North is taken care of. You know, but Chicago's not moving on from Fields. Minnesota's no. happy with Cousins. Yeah. Detroit all of a sudden sees Jared Goff as the quarterback of the future. Green Bay isn't. You know, they're not. They're not going to go from Rodgers to Brady. I mean, they're going to start over like they always have. Or, you know, do another Favre, do another Rodgers. When you look at other divisions, you know, obviously, you know, Denver's stuck with Wilson. Uh, maybe the Raiders, if they decided, mm. you know. Uh, but they don't have any money. They got no money, and the cut car would crush their cap. So I think I think the idea Tennessee I, bad I, division. Believe it, they're or not, just a quarterback away. The rest of that division not, stinks. Tennessee is the most rumored place for Aaron Rodgers next season. Okay, see now they're already got their eyes on Rodgers. So there, there's only you're right. Sticking in Tampa Bay possibly Arizona, or I don't see any other outlier. New England, either. but New England, but that would be a tough, man, that's, that's hard to say. Hey, we got a rookie that went to, to the playoffs two straight years. God forbid he beats somebody, right? God forbid he goes out oh, and wins a first oh, round game this year. Let him beat Buffalo in the first round or, 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 or Casey or, or, or something. Yeah, but you know, oh. I mean, you know, I'm just saying that would be a miracle, but like everybody else is flush at quarterback. There's no, there's nobody. I mean, the the Redskins, the Commanders, maybe? Like, I mean, maybe, because they've got a good defense, but that's a tough division. Does he want to go into where Philly's at and Dallas is at right now, the way they're playing, going into next year? With, I mean, interesting. So when we, when we talk about decisions that have to be made, I think we've reached, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to tell you a story about Texas men's basketball head coach Chris Beard. Oh. And I got to tell you this story, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give him all the benefit of the doubt from the public standpoint. Chris Beard is the coach at the University of Texas men's basketball. And if you know anything about Texas, the University of Texas sports, it's larger than life. Football is big. Basketball is nowhere near as big as football, but in the state of Texas, it's as big as basketball gets, is the Texas Longhorns basketball program. They not they have not been good since Kevin Durant. They are 7-1 and one and a top five basketball team again. Chris Beard has done that. Last night, Chris Beard also allegedly beat the snot out of his fiance to the point where there was choking, biting, and slapping. There's physical evidence on her that he has done these things. He admitted that something went wrong between the two of them, but he says that she was the aggressor. Again, these are all accusations from both sides. But they both agree something happened in that house. And she has the marks on her to not prove, but lead people to believe that her side of the story is more truer than his. If Chris Beard is found guilty of these things, you have to fire him. 
course. I believe every person accused of something, man or female, should have their voice heard, should have their day in court. Because as we saw with the punter, Matt Ariza, your career could be ended by something someone has accused you of. And due to court and public perception, you are now untouchable. Matt Ariza has not had any charges. The, the San Diego DA came out and said, we will not charge Matt Ariza with any or the other two men involved. And in it's alleged rape case that happened with the San Diego State punter. If any of you remember that, you know, go back in our other shows and check it out. This is going to be along the same lines. It, but if he is found guilty, he cannot be employed anymore. Anywhere when it comes to high-level Division One basketball. Can he still coach? Absolutely. But the privilege of coaching at that level should not be afforded to people who are doing this because you are an example for all the young men you bring in. And I hear people saying second chances. I get that. That don't mean you got to get the second chance at that level. So this, this, the, if you read these, because I read mine in USA Today. Mm -hmm. If you read what, had ha what happened, what occurred in that house, according to police, if he's found guilty, and I'm not talking about, oh, he, he pleads out for a lesser charge. If he's found guilty and Texas still hires him, college sports is literally the cesspool we all think it is. Yeah, I mean, you can't, right? Like, you can't. If it's true. I mean, there's a lot of smoke here, and there's probably fire. But like you said, we give people there at least chance to, you know, have the investigation be fully it's 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 tougher these days in the in the you know court of public opinion immediate social media instant gratification everybody's not uh, impatient they want to know the result now before everything's investigated thoroughly and you know stories are are leaked or whatever it is but yeah i mean you can't uh you know this is something at the college level you know there's a there's a women's basketball program and as you mentioned there's young guys that are eventually going to go out and get married if they're not already or if they're in serious relationships and uh this guy you know coaching is more than just the the, the dry erase board and the record at the end of the season especially at the college and scholastic level and i know that you know i'm not naive i know that the, at that level texas basketball and uh you know it's the it's athlete student not student athlete anymore <laughs> correct um so that, but that, but that still doesn't excuse the fact that that's part of your responsibility is the student part, no matter how minute it might be today than it was 30 years ago. It used to be student athlete and maybe and it's, that's gone to just division two and three um, athletics, but it's a bad, bad look. And, you know, it's sad that it happens on a day where, you know, we're, we're mourning Mike Leach, a great coach, a guy that was mm -hmm. loved by his players, a guy that, uh, you know, unfortunately died suddenly of a heart attack and Mississippi State football coach. But, you know, you know, every community he went to, mostly he was just revered and loved by his players in the community. And he Weird, was an odd, loved. oddball, but yeah. he was he was Yogi Berra type of oddball. You know, he had that just kind of quotable strangeness, but um you know and a guy and then you have to hear this story on the same day mm. and they're just two polar opposites of the type of uh you know um <laughs> just results that you want but 
Yeah, it's bad. And, you know, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Texas did everything they could to support this guy, if they really want this guy. And then they, you know, they're sixth or seventh in the country and they want to stay there. Like you said, that, that's been a program that's been on the map and it's had its it's had its heydays with LaMarcus Aldridge and Kevin Durant and, and mm-hmm. some other great teams in the past. Great coaches with Rick Barnes and they, you know, did hit some times uh, where they, they, they dipped down again and he's brought the program back. So um, let's hope from all the other ones that maybe not so severe, the different trip ups that other coaches have had from the urban Myers and the other things that, uh, that, uh, that they do the right thing, whatever the right thing is at the end of the day, when everything's taken care of. I think we are in a society where people lean on sports figures to be leaders. And we need to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. I think we have a heavy handed approach to penalizing not penalizing, pedalizing, putting people up on pedestals because they're so far away, we don't know the real version of them. A lot of these people who come into these homes and, and, and ask the parents for their kid to join their university to help them grow as young men, you, you, if I'm coaching against him and we're going head-to-head for a recruit, you not think I'm going to bring that up? Right. You finna send your kid to play for a, a, a wife beater, a exactly. woman beater, so a, a man who was supposed to protect this woman and now basically choked, bit, allegedly choked, bit, and slapped the snot out of her. Like that this is this is what happens on the recruiting trail. This is what sure. this is what guys are saying about their competitors. So I think that we as a society should Focus more on the people who we have in our everyday life and stop raising these people up to be something that a lot of them can never add up to because the the task is too tall. We're all humans, and those are the ones that we don't know seem to be the ones we praise the most. But that's a that's a different story for a different day. I'm John Browner, joined with Jason Lawhead. We're back tomorrow on Wednesday, our Friday. We'll see you guys. Until then, Merry Christmas. Peace. Go watch a good Christmas movie, everybody.